Before the podcast starts, I apologize for the heavy breathing on my end, but I am still suffering from a cold. And besides that, if you have any other feedback or comments on the podcast, feel free to write us at noah at cyclocross with three S's at the end dot com. So noah at cyclocross with three S's at the end dot com for any feedback, comments or tips. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today I am here with Twan to discuss the second round of the Super Prestige. Twan, welcome. Hello. The second round of the Super Prestige took place in Rutherford and it was dry. There had been rain on the days before so the top layer of the track was gone and Kevin Kuhn certainly fancied going into that first as he took the head start. But it was quickly Anton Ferdinand who took over the lead and for the first lap he led... Elisabeth even let a gap fall and for a brief moment nobody reacted so I thought hmm interesting maybe Ferdinand can have a shot at a podium but reality quickly kicked in as Quinton Hermans rode a great line onto the off-camber section and not only took the lead of his group but also closed the gap on Ferdinand and led the race. Elisabeth reacted so we had two leaders for quite a while until Elisabeth made a small mistake he recovered and then Herman started making a couple of mistakes, eventually leading to another crash on the barriers, similar to last week in Iowa. And he crashed, his chain dropped, and Isabit was comfortably in the lead and basically handed the win. Like, just presented to him, here, take the win. Isabit taking the win, basically cruising for the last 25 minutes of the race. Hermans ending in second, also not doing too much effort. And for third place, Don Arch rode away in the last 15 minutes from his teammate Lars van der Haar and Lauren Zweig. A small note on that, it was um, Tom van der Bos and not Anton Ferdinand who had a good start for the Power South team. Yeah, indeed, it was not uh, Anton Ferdinand, Tom van der Bos. Ferdinand was one of the riders who wasn't at the start. There were quite some riders, as well as Jens Adams, Michael van Toerenhout, who were on the start list, but they didn't eventually start the race. Twan, I can only imagine they are doing this because they want to be fresh tomorrow in Zonhoven. Yeah, I think uh, if, if you're struggling a little bit with adapting back, maybe taking an extra day to rest for Zonhoven is a good idea. Uh, there is also um, maybe you don't value the Super Prestige as much because you haven't had the greatest start in it just yet. And you don't really need the UCI points for any other objectives. So uh, I think for for example, Von Turenhout, it's a very wise decision if he wasn't feeling well. Um and hopefully uh, we'll see a fit Michael Van Turenhout tomorrow at the start of Zonhoven. Yeah, Van Turenhout also skipped the C2 race in Ardoje this Thursday. Lauren Zweig took the win there. So he had issues with his stomach, that's why he skipped there. He also needed to go to the hospital, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I think that's a very wise decision to skip today's racing. We obviously don't know how his form will be tomorrow, because if you need to go to the hospital, it's certainly serious. And for the other riders, like Twan, you already mentioned it, it's basically their priorities are set different. I can understand for Adams tomorrow, more UCI points, he's good in the rankings in the World Cup. World Cup gets more exposure, also good for his sponsor, Hollebeek Hoeve. So yeah, that makes perfect sense for him to skip today. But let's talk about today then. Quinton Hermans once again very strong, but he once again threw it away with that crash on the barriers, Twan. Yeah, it's painful to watch back-to-back weeks where he throws it away on the barriers. Um... Really unfortunate, uh, he looked very strong throughout the race and really looked to be taking it to Elisabeth. And of course, when 
you're basically time trading against each other is a bit harder of course he has to um repair himself from the crash as well it can have some lasting impacts it could have been a very interesting race and it was for a while but after the crash Eddie's beat uh, just uh, brought the victory home in a very cool performance I think Hermann was once again looking very strong. I particularly liked how he was taking this very high line onto the off-camber where there was a lot of grass and then slowly diving down and especially in the second lap when he took the lead. I mean, Ton van der Bos had a gap of, I think, three seconds and Hermans came from third in his group past Izerbiet and I think Van der Haar as well and then also closed the gap to, to um, Ton van der Bos. So I think that was... Yeah, I think that was quite spectacular to see. and But yeah, I think Hermans really wanted that win, but he maybe wanted it a bit too much because that crash eventually wasn't the only mistake he made. He made a couple of mistakes before as well. So I think Hermans could have had a win here, but that he maybe wanted it a bit too much. And what I mean wanting it too much was that he was taking too many unnecessary risks, in my opinion, the speedy approach, those barriers with the second time, for instance that wasn't necessary and that eventually led to his crash and on other sections as well you could see he was really pushing it which led to some slips and it wasn't necessary at that point in the race yeah i guess it's like a newfound excitement of like having felt that you can actually win races and that you're good enough to challenge for them more regularly now and it's just leading to him being uh taking some extra risks maybe and showing that um if he pushes himself all the way, he's a bit more error-prone than uh, some others, maybe. I think that Hermans here could have challenged for the win. I mean, I just said that. But I also think that Izebiet was looking in control. He was sitting behind Hermans for quite a while. was capable of following pretty easily, at least, by what I could see from it. Of course, he made that one mistake. Slip of the front wheel looked like a bit too much steering, a bit abrupt steering in the corner. It was quite slippery there. But he managed to come back because Hermans didn't notice it. Do you think that if Hermans had noticed that Izebiet had made a slip, that he could have opened the gap? Because now he just kept on going at a, well, okay pace. It wasn't that much. He didn't accelerate. That's more what I mean. If he would have accelerated, do you think that he could have opened the gap potentially enough for Izebiet to think, okay, tomorrow is Zonhove, I'll sit, settle for second? Well, I think you would always just like, it, it wouldn't become more than five seconds. And as you said, Hermans made a few smaller mistakes and it would be uh, not easy, but it would be doable for Izebi to come back at quite an okay pace. And I don't think he's going to let a victory go that easily here in Rodevorda. No, I don't think so either. I think that Elisabeth is definitely looking at the super prestige and thinking, hmm, I want to win. I think his team has also put Izerbeet in... Well, they. Well, if you look at it, Michael van Turenhout hasn't ridden a single super prestige race. So they really keep van Turenhout fresh for the World Cups. They're keeping Swake fresh for the super prestige and assumably the, the XTO trophy later. But they want Izerbeet really to, at least in the super prestige and World Cup, to really be up there and fighting for the win there. So... I can only imagine that Paul Sauz really wants Izebit to win here as well. Yeah, it looks like indeed that uh, with Izebit for now, they're tar going to be targeting all three of the classifications. Uh, we'll, of course, later see how that goes in the X2O. 
Um, and indeed, Michael van Toren out uh, getting these races off in the Super Prestige to focus on the World Cup. Let's talk a bit about Tone Aert. He ended third here today, but personally, I would have expected a bit more from him. I think this parkour would have been perfect for him if he was in perfect condition, but clearly he hasn't been in perfect condition so far this season, with maybe the exception of Gieten. I feel like uh, Tonars hasn't quite been there yet indeed this year. I think in previous season we have seen him ride all the way up the uh, sand part and has made a difference there a bit. Um, but uh, he, he wasn't quite there today and it was all a bit... He, he saved this race quite well by coming in third place, but it never really looked as solid as that. Yeah, in the beginning you could see he was actually with Izubit and Hermans, but that was only because he had one fabulous passage through the sand pit. He almost made it to the top, which was fantastic to see. And eventually then after that, when it came down to the pure power, I mean, you could see that he was lacking and why that is. It's a bit of a guess. He hasn't said anything in his interviews about it. Perhaps it's the crash in Waterloo that's affecting him because... He couldn't really recover from that because he had a very busy week of racing in the USA, then travel back here, so perhaps that influenced him. Now, I don't know, I'm just speculating, of course, but we don't know, maybe he has been a bit sick, like is the case with his teammate Lucinda Brandt. But, Don, do you think that there's anything else that could be the issue here for Tonarts? Because the Tonarts I saw in Gieten and the Tonarts I saw after that, it's two different versions of Tonarts. Yeah, it looked like he hasn't really, I don't know, clearly there was form there in Gita, uh, a super performance, and then what you said, like, it's not quite tone arts we're used to seeing, uh, it's just tone arts that's having to put in recovery rights and limiting damages, I feel like, at classifications, and yeah, I don't know, it's, it's very unfortunate, because this is the part of the season where you would hope to see him battle with Ezerbeat for those victories. I hope for Tone Arts and also a bit for the races that we are watching that he can bounce back from this. I don't expect that immediately tomorrow, but let's hope that he can improve towards Overijse or, um, of course, the Koppenberg, which is the start of the XTO, a complete new classification. I mean, if you can start off there, I mean, you can still win that. So I think for the Super Prestige, he's still leading as well, and that's not bad, so... That are two classifications which he's still very much in contention for winning. The World Cup is already looking a bit difficult after the US races. Of course, nothing impossible. Still a lot of races left to go. But I hope that he can bounce back and that we can see him fight with Izubit and Hermans. Because I think that would be really tasty. Yeah, and I think the thing that Tone Arch favors more as well is that he is better at these kind of limited damage rights also when the big three are back in the cross like you're going to see him more near that fourth fifth place than you're going to see Izbeat. Izbeat has struggled over the past few seasons sometimes and he would drop all the way back to eighth like right behind someone like Van der Haar in well basically in circumstances where if you take out those other three he would just probably be leading the cross. Yeah, of course, we don't know if that will be the case this year. Izbita has once again said that he will be looking to be in prime condition when Van der Poel returns to fight with him. I've heard this story now for a couple of years, so I don't know how much I should buy into it anymore. But of course, this could very well be the year that Izbita is capable of doing it. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see.
Let's run down the entire top 10 then, we have of course had the win for Elie Isabiet in front of Quinten Hermans and Toon Aert. Only one Paul Sauser rider on the podium, quite a while since I've seen that, actually, no actually that's not true, I saw that in Waterloo which had the same podium. 4th place for Lars van der Haar, solid ride by him. 5th place Laurens Zweig, 6th Toon van der Bos, 7th Felipe Oorts ahead of Dieter Zweig and Vincent Baastans and the 10th place goes to Niels van der Putte. I would like to talk here a bit about Lauren Zweig. He skipped the trip to the United States and then he ends fifth. It's a bit disappointing in my opinion. I'd expected more from him, especially considering that he said that he was really peaking towards these races here to be a cover in case that Isabit and Van Turenhout are tired. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate. You'd think with uh, two weeks of solid uh, training that he would be in uh, good shape but maybe just missing the race hardness of having to like go all the way uh, of not do having to do it for two weeks or simulated in training um, maybe it's affected him badly uh, hopefully he will be able to pick up the pace um, because you're hoping for him to play a bigger role in these races of course he did get a bit unlucky with mechanical because he was more uh, he was close to Ton Aert and Lars van der Haar um, going into the final few laps. Yeah, that is of course very true. He made a mistake there and then wasn't able to compete for the podium positions anymore. I think tomorrow will definitely be a better day for him, especially considering the parkour. Sake like sand and in Zonhoven, well, we will find some sand and a bit of running, which isn't necessarily a weak point of Laurens Zweig as well. Then another name in the top 10 that was slightly disappointing, especially considering the names that aren't there. Vincent Bastans, 9th. He came off a very strong campaign in the US, but I think for Bastans the story is clear. He was sick in the USA um, prior to the Jingle Cross in Iowa, and that looks to have affected him because in the old, well, old version of Vincent Bastans, the one that we saw in the USA, he would have probably been just behind Lauren Zweig. Of course, there's not only disappointing riders in the top 10, we have also had Toon van der Bos. We already mentioned him, he had a very rapid start and actually was, well, able to keep up that pace for quite a while, ending 6th in the end. I think he can be very satisfied with this performance. Yeah, Toon van der Bos, a very solid start. He's been helping him out a little bit, slowing everyone down on the sand there. Uh, nice to see Isabi do that. Um, has sometimes been a bit questionable in teamwork. Uh, and Tom van der Bos just holding it very well, very solid performance by him. I uh, can be happy with this one and uh, hopefully he can build on it uh, on parkourses that suit him, of course. Yeah, and just behind him we saw Felipe Orts, another rider that put in a very strong performance today to end 7th. Yeah, especially after a uh, lesser performance in Ardoye, he'll be very happy to uh, see that when the big guns are around he is able to Put it back in the top 10 and it's very nice to see that uh, Spanish flag back in there. Yeah, I agree with that. Although in Ardoya we found a parkour which was really anti-Felipe Orts. Orts is more this rider for the faster parkourses. So in a way today wasn't ideal for him as well. Quite some tractoring to do. But in Ardoya there were like complete mudded sections that you needed to run. Like it was a flat section of 100 meter, 200 meter running and that's nothing for Orts. But of course, his season hasn't been great. We mentioned in our Zonhover preview podcast that he has been struggling in Gieten. He didn't get a great result in Spain. He even ended third in a race, which is quite a while ago that I saw that happening. But Orts definitely a solid performance. And the same can be said for Dieter Zweig, who ends just behind him.
then let's talk about the women's race. Twan, what happened there? It was a quick start by Sonicant, who was able to avoid a lot of chaos through the first lap as uh, she made a little bit of a gap. And by the end of the lap, it would be Denise Betsma and Inge van der Heide that would join her. And uh, slowly but surely, they would leave her behind as well. As Betsma kept powering on, Inge van der Heide couldn't quite follow. And it was Andre Worst out of the background who was able to catch back up and overtake her to claim second spot well behind Denise Betsma with a very solid victory. And uh, of course, Inge van der Heide completes the podium. Let's talk about that race a bit. I mean, usually we're used to having very very exciting and close women's races but today was quite the opposite already in the first lap with that fast start by Sonicant the field got stretched apart yeah the differences were quite big already and it was uh, quite surprising to see um, and the moment you see Denise Betsma with Inge van der Heijden and Sonicant as her closest competitors competitors after lap one you're kind of hoping that uh, Inge van der Heide is just on one of those crazy days where anything can happen but unfortunately it wasn't quite there she tried to make it as exciting as she could but uh, yeah not not quite able to unfortunately yeah you could also say it was unfortunate for Kant that she couldn't keep it up or even Van Alphen who made the mistake and crashed but I think regardless of that, it was pretty clear that Betsema was the strongest even before she had even joined the leaders. The ease with which she was able to ride away from the likes of Brandt and also Kastlein, which she was around, it was just showed that she was clearly the best today. And I mean, she rode away with Brandt like Brandt wasn't there, but Brandt had an absolute terrible day today, Twan. I mean, I don't know what she was doing, actually, but she didn't have the power. She didn't have the technique. She made a lot of mistakes, there was this one ramp which she couldn't get up every lap, and every lap she tried it, but almost every lap she either needed to unclip or crash and eventually start from the bottom again. And even in the sand, it didn't look good, the running, it didn't look good. Brandt, she said she had a bad day at the end, but honestly, I have no clue what was going on there. It was a very un-Brandt-like performance, it was just... There, there was nothing convincing about it, which usually when you see her eye, you're just like, okay, this looks strong. This is, uh, this is getting scary for the rest of them. But today it was just like, um, that's, that's the woman in the World Championships jersey, but uh, she's not really doing it proud. I think there is more behind it. I think she was sick. I mean, there have been reports that she had a cold or had a fever before the race in Iowa. The story of the fever got dismissed. It was apparently only a cold. But I think if you look at the performance now, and also especially the way she talks after the race, saying, I have no hope tomorrow will be any better, then I don't think it's just a bad day. Then I think it's more something has really affected her health and she is recovering from that or has recovered from that. But it's somehow affected her form drastically because if you already look at it in Iowa, yes, you still have the story that she lost a lot of time on the Mount Crumpet. But if you look at her form there already, it wasn't great. A good Brandt would still have done good there despite needing to run Mount Crumpet. And that is it's just not what I see here. I see a different Brandt than I saw in Waterloo and Gieten. Yeah, and I think uh, her fifth place, it's looking a lot better than it could have been if uh, a lot more of the women showed up. It's not quite as deep as a field as we're maybe used to from what we saw in the US. Um, so she was able to limit the damage in the Super Prestige, only three points behind Denise Betsma. 
But uh, yeah, she has to hope for uh, better things in the World Cup tomorrow because uh, it might uh, turn out really ugly there. Yeah, because tomorrow we will have the likes of Van Anrooy, Van Empel, Pieters, uh, Clausel. I mean, these riders all weren't there today. And I mean, in the women's category, you see it more than in the men's category. This is clear difference between World Cup races and non-World Cup races. The World Cup races is really the thing. Alvarado also starting her season there tomorrow. But it just shows the quality in the World Cup is so much higher than in the races that are non-World Cup. Because it's easy to choose, especially in the women's category, where the prize money in the World Cup is equal to the men's. A lot of money up to, up for grabs there for them, which is probably also a motivating factor for them to choose to ride the World Cup and not the Super Prestige. Which I think also has equal prize money, but it's just significantly less than what you can earn in the World Cup. And there's of course also a lot of like, name recognition, USI points, World Cup points. Uh, especially for the Dutch women, right? You have to be on top of there because you need to guarantee those uh, World Championship spots at the end of the season. For some of the top women, this is not as much of an issue, of course. But, uh, for example, for the U23 riders, there is only so many spots, right? Yeah, definitely. And if you're a Dutch woman, it's really jockeying for your positions. I mean, the first eight, they are invited based on their UCI ranking. And then after that, there's four wildcards that the Dutch team coach can hand out and an additional two wildcards for under 23 women. So those four wildcards in the Netherlands, they usually go to the next four on the UCI ranking. So basically, you need to be in the first 12 or have, be lucky and, and having an under 23 rider in front of you, but not in the first eight positions. Like Peters, Peters is... Well, not necessarily stealing a spot, but she is occupying a spot that could have well been awarded someone else. But Peter said this shows the level that the Dutch under-23 have is actually in the first eight. So that means that the under-23 wildcard will go to a rider that is from significantly less quality, but still talented, than, let's say, uh, Manon Bakker, which is, I think, also the main reason that Bakker is riding here today. I have to say there was improvement compared to the races before, but Manon Bakker, I think she only was at the start here because she knew that she could get UCI points here, which can be very crucial to her because if she drops a few more places, she's probably out of the World Cup selection. There is a decision for Manon Bakker to be made. Last year we saw her fighting for podiums, fighting for victories even on one of those crazy days. And... Well, this year it's just been dreadful, to be honest. Uh, finishing behind Norbert Ribeiro, uh, racing in France, uh, cyclocross races where there also isn't any wins to show for it. It's that eventually she has to maybe make the decision to try and come back maybe in January um, and get like a solid block of training in or in December and just get training and get a form and try and uh like get some really good results which maybe get her into the like last few world cups and make the, the national team coach doubt whether or not she should actually be taken because at this rate it's it's just not the bucker we saw last year and that is very disappointing i agree on that let's run down the entire top 10 then we had the win of course for denise betsma in front of annemarie worst inge van der heide sanne kant Fifth place for Lucinda Brandt, ahead of Anique van Alphen, Marion Norbert, Ribeiro, Manon Bakker. Ninth place for Jara Kastelein and tenth for Zoe Bakstedt. 
We haven't actually talked about Annemarie Worst. I think Annemarie Worst, we can talk about it shortly because her race was a slow start and then eventually getting into a rhythm. Never in the contention for the win, but her great line on the off-camera eventually sealed that second place for her. Yeah, riding a very solid race and indeed that off-camera, we've talked about it as well with Quinton Hermans. Just a place where if you get it right to compare to some of the people that get it wrong, you can take up to five seconds quite easily actually and Annemarie Worst was uh, quite strong on that section. Yeah, for Worst uh, that's basically all there can be said I think uh, for the rider in third Van der Heide. I mean, it's a really good performance by her but there isn't a lot to say about it because I mean she tried to stay with Betsema for as long as possible and eventually blew up and that cost her potentially a second place but I think she can be very satisfied with this third position, especially considering the muddy conditions when she usually excels when it's dry and fast. Some final mentions here then. Sonne Kant, fourth place. I have to say this is much better than in the USA where apparently she was racing. Well, I only saw her in the sprint for I think it was 10th place where she ended 14th in the USA. But... That was all that we saw from Kant there. Yes, there were a lot of names not here, but I still think fourth for Kant is definitely an improvement. I do have to ever admit that my opportunity, I said she could get a podium this year in one of the classified crosses. I think this might have well been her chance with the absence of plenty of riders and then Brandt and Kastelein not having great days. Yeah, Kastelein as well, uh, with a very disappointing performance, of course. Uh, she did have to run a part of the course, but even before that, she didn't really look like she was doing all too well. And it's just very unfortunate. She started the season with a lot of confidence and uh, the technique seemed to be coming to her a bit more. And now it's, it's, it's just been very disappointing. USA and now this as well. A ninth place, which is basically one of the worst places she could have finished in this field. Because it's just not that great a feel today just ahead of zoe buckset who in my opinion can be satisfied of course there were talks that she should have done better on gcn or eurosport which i mean just shows the joke that eurosport was today showing three interviews without audio showing the ronde van drenthe in the middle of the race which basically led us to missing the deciding attack of denise betsema for the women's race, there were apparently two commentators, but we only hear, heard the second guy in the last half a lap. It was a joke on Eurosport, and then to say that Zoe Buckset should have potentially ended in the top five here is also a bit of a joke considering all that has been said. I mean, sure, Eurosport did, doesn't do this on purpose, but I would have expected more here, but not more for Zoe Buckset because 10th as a junior is still very good. And of course, she was unlucky in the first lap to be crashed out by Annick van Alphen.
Yeah, sure. You can... Yeah, it's fair to say that she maybe had expected more, but I feel like it's unfair to expect these type of performances based on one performance in Molebeke that was where she got second. I feel like it's very unfair to put that amount of pressure on somebody who's just a second-year junior because she's just a second-year junior. You get what I'm saying? It's just, It just doesn't work that way. They will have ups, they will have downs, and it... That's how it goes, and the consistency will come with the age. Not everyone can be as consistent as Lucinda Brandt last season, where she only ended off the podium twice in a rough 28 races or something like that. So that will come, but you just need to take it easy, and I think a 10th place is definitely something good, but she will probably she's riding the World Cup tomorrow, so then we'll really see where she is. Yeah, I think you can uh, compare it to uh, what we have with Thibaut Nice, right? Uh, he has some very good performances where you're really excited to see what he's doing. And the next day is also 20 places further back and you're wondering like what, what quite happened here, right? It happens because they are young and they have to find uh, everything out about themselves still. Exactly, because you saw Niels van der Putte, he was 10th today. He probably was uh, hoping for a bit more as well, considering he came off that 5th place in Waterloo. But eventually he got 10th today, and there can be so many reasons for a slightly disappointing performance. I mean, it's not that it's a consistent trend, it's one performance. I mean, he can have two nights of bad sleep, he can have issues of the jet lag, which I didn't hear anyone complain about, but that's a different story, but... You can experience problems with the jet lag. You can, I don't know, you could have crashed on training. You could have uh, hit your small toe at the at the at your front door the day when you're leaving towards the race and have had pain in that. There's so many things that it's unfair to go off one performance and that's more the thing here. I mean, we'll see. We'll see tomorrow. We'll see next week. We'll see throughout the entire season. And then at the end of the season, you can draw your conclusions or after a couple of races, it's when you're seeing a trend, it's then you can draw conclusions, not after one performance. It's like saying that Lucinda Brandt is having a terrible season because of one fifth place today. Actually, I think we've covered it then here for Rudderforde. Let me give you the standings. In the men's category, Isebeet, Arts and Hermans all lead with 28 points, ahead of Lars van der Haar and Zweig, both with 23. In the women's category, we see that Denise Betsema now leads with two points over Worst and three points over Lucinda Brandt, whilst Inge van der Heide sits in fourth and Anique van Alphen in fifth. I would also like to give you the results of the third round of the Coupe de France. It was Joshua Dubot who won the men's race ahead of Loris Rouillet and Mathieu Boulot. In the women's race, it was Amandie Foucounet who took home the win in front of Anne Morrison and third place went to Joyce van der Beke. Twan, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me on. I would like to give you the opportunity to make a prediction for tomorrow in Zonhoven. You weren't at our preview podcast, but uh, I will be interesting to uh, hear what you think about that race. I think we'll have very similar uh, podiums, especially in the men's. I, I think uh, we'll see another Elisabeth victory ahead of uh, Quinton Hermans and uh, Tone Arts. Maybe Lars van der Haar close to that podium as well. And for the women's, I think uh, Betsema will take it uh, with Worst coming in second and uh, a third place for Celine Alvarado upon return. Well, interesting. 
Uh, we'll see that tomorrow, and uh, I assume you will be tuning in with us as well. Is on there tomorrow, and then we can uh, talk about the World Cup and Zonhoven, which hopefully will be a bit better than what we had today in Rutherford, although it wasn't bad. Thanks everyone for listening. Tonight I will be tuning in towards the last round of the US CX Cyclocross series as well, which we will touch upon tomorrow as well, I reckon. So I will catch you guys tomorrow after Zonhoven. Goodbye.